Welcome to Tantra Talks. This podcast is brought to you by Tantra Labs and hosted by Tantra CTO Russell LaCour and Creative Director Brecky Von Bitcoin. Please note, all opinions expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Tantra Labs, Inc. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hey there, folks. Brecky Von Bitcoin back to introduce another episode of Tantra Talks. On this episode, we had the pleasure of sitting down with Alexander Fleischman, uh, affectionately known as Sasha. He is a trader over at Arca and someone who I think has a lot of valuable insight when it comes to the world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. You know, this was a really fun episode to record, so I hope you'll enjoy it. We got into his crypto and Bitcoin story, the work he does over at Arca. We waxed philosophical on Bitcoin for a while, and we also dove into the energy FUD surrounding Bitcoin. Um, Alex did a lot of research on this, uh, so he's a great person to talk to about it. And, you know, this energy FUD that we are constantly dealing with, I don't think it's going away anytime soon, which is why I think Bitcoiners need to be prepared and have their counter arguments ready. You know, to that end, I'm going to drop a bunch of uh, great energy FUD fighting articles in the show notes. Energy FUD fighting articles. Energy, I can't, man, say that 10 times fast, right? Energy FUD fighting articles. I'll put them in the show notes. Please give them a read. But now, without any further ado, it's time for Tantra Talks. Sorry, what was that? Plans yeah. are for fiscally responsible individuals. Well, Fa- fiscally responsible individuals. Well, isn't that what we are, Russ? We're fiscally responsible individuals. Um, We're recording right now, by the way, so. Um, yes. The answer was yes. Yes, we are fiscally responsible individuals. And uh, let me just have some water because I'm. I just offload everything to the algos, honestly. So, right. So we're not fiscally responsible, which is why we build algos. Yeah. All right. That kind of works. Maybe I don't know. At this point, (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. It just looks pretty. Yeah. All right, ladies and gents, welcome to Tantra Talks. You probably just heard me do an intro that I'm going to record later. My voice probably sounded awesome. Thank you for continuing to listen. The third voice that you may not recognize is. Alexander Fleischman. Fleischman? Am I saying it right? Yeah. Yeah. Fleischman, Fleischman. Fleischboy on um, what, no, Telegram? No, no, that's a different Fleischman. That's a different Fleischman. That's a different Fleischman. Don't dox him. <laughs> uh, he works at Arca and uh, they do something kind of similar to us, which is uh, why we wanted to bring him on and have a nice little convo and uh, see how things are going for them. And we're going to talk shit about shit coins maybe and talk good stuff about bitcoin maybe uh, russell's gonna talk about <laughs> bsv and how much he loves it uh, uh yeah so all right alex if you could just maybe tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what arca does and what your bitcoin story is and you know we'll kind of go from there yeah so i i started getting into bitcoin uh late 2016 I was I was in college with um, not that much money, 
lot of class load, a lot of rent to pay. And I was looking at a way to generate income without taking a job because I couldn't afford the time or the sweat equity. And the stock market wasn't very appealing. You know, it takes money to make money. And at around the same time, uh, my uncle, who was already in, into crypto, he, he just sent me a message. Uh, it was just a screenshot of Coinbase. It had Ethereum at like $20, Bitcoin, $800, $900. He's like, hey, you should, you know, check this out. And that was basically like the first time I saw it. Uh, from that point, I looked into it. I started, you know, <laughs> I started skipping class. I started skipping parties. I started, you know, holding myself up in my room. And it started with YouTube. It went to Reddit, Google searches, uh, Facebook groups, Telegram groups, Discord groups. And slowly but surely, you know, I just learned a bit by bit about what Bitcoin is. Uh, I learned about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin at first. That that was the big three. And you know, a couple of months in, I think uh, super early 2017, I kind of kind of decided, you know, what? it's only you know x amount of dollars. It's not it's not going to hurt if I lost it. I wasn't supposed to have it anyway. I'm in college, and you know, I split it half and half between Bitcoin and Ethereum, and I kind of just let it sit. And you know, we all know the story. After that, a couple of months later, everything started rocketing. I felt like a genius. All my <laughs> all my friends thought I was a genius, and um, you know, I just got deeper and deeper into what it was instead of you know whether or not i can make money off of it i i really i really liked what bitcoin was as a as a thing more more so as an asset that you can make money on at the time because i as a person in college you know we have a lot of loans to take out we have you know all these payments all these plans and i to this day do not have a credit card i've never used a credit card i've i have taken out uns uh subsidized loans but i've never taken out unsubsidized loan i I'm just not a big fan of borrowing, whether it be dollars, whether it be someone's shirt, whether it's someone's car. I don't like taking responsibility for things out of my control. So so unlike Russell and I, you are a fiscally responsible human being. Is that what you're saying? I, I do my best. We all, we all have our weak points. We, we see the guacamole at Chipotle and you just, you got to do it sometimes. But, you know, it, it just appealed to me from like a fundamental sense. And it, it just so happened that it was also doing very well. And I didn't really realize that I could be doing this for a living, whether it be trading, whether it be researching or advising as a consultant. I didn't realize that this was a an avenue for my life until right about the time I graduated. I was, you know, I was going pre-med I, and I finished pre-med, but I was gung-ho about being in, in the chemistry field. And it wasn't until about six months before graduation where I decided, you know, instead of a hobby, I can make this a job. And fortunately enough, we talked about Arca. Arca reached out to me in the summer of 2018. I did uh, an internship in between my junior and senior year. We were just setting up, so we were just, you know, putting together all the all the b bottom ground uh, foundation. And then we kept in contact throughout the next year. And then when I graduated uh, a bit early, I just picked up everything and. I had five days to move and I just drove down to LA and <laughs> set up shop and started work the next Monday. So <laughs> it's kind of funny, man. Like I, I, I remember when I met you and I think this was right after you'd done that and it feels like it was a really long time ago, but it's, that's just crypto. Like it wasn't really that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. It, it will be, it'll be a year and about a month from now that I moved out here. Oh, wow, man. I can't believe it's been a year. Um, so something I'm curious about is 
you know, were you, you said that you first got in and it was Litecoin and Ethereum and, and Bitcoin. And that's kind of, you know, I mean, that was what was on Coinbase at the time. Like I was kind of in a similar boat. Like, did you start going down the more philosophical, like technical rabbit hole uh, back then as well? Cause like you've kind of come on the scene lately with like some really great research and like, you're like the king of Twitter threads. And I remember looking at one of them and I was just like, oh, like Adam Back is responding to this guy. What's going on? Like, I, I better read this shit. He's, he's, he might be saying something important and you were. <laughs> so, you know, like when did that start happening? Like when did you go from kind of just trading to actually like, all right, this is really important. I'm going to put the time in and understand it. And, you know, would you even, would you call yourself a Bitcoiner now or? I mean, I've always, I've always been a Bitcoiner. Personal like PA is obviously in my position. You know, I'm no longer able to maintain a portfolio like that. But uh, even, you know, there was that little spurt in 2017 where everyone, you know, Bitrix was the land of everything. So you could touch anything you touched just went up. So it was very, it was very uh, low hanging fruit. But my, you know, it's always been Bitcoin and then the rest is just curiosity. Mm -hmm. But for, for me, I was sold on Bitcoin about like, you know, three months in when I first saw it. Um, so technicals, I mean, I dove into as much as I could at the time. It's kind of a, you know, it's graded on a curve, like you think you know everything at first and you realize you don't. It's the never ending story. Yeah. Just... Yeah. So I'm still learning to this day, but, um, you know, I dove in, I went to that side of the street pretty quickly because for me, the money I put in, even if it, you know, let's just say at the time, even if it doubled, it wasn't life-changing money here nor there. So it was more, I was interested in how I could use it. And, uh, to this day, I'm still interested in how I can use it. Um, there's a local pizza shop next to me that accepts Bitcoin. So I've, Wait, really? Pizza. Which one? Uh, Fresh is it Fresh Brothers or something? It, really, they accept Bitcoin. It, yeah, they have a sticker on their uh, on their front page, and then Lightning Pizza. You can oh. order Domino's. I've ordered Domino's through uh, the Lightning Network, but for the most part, using Bitcoin has been the hard part. Obviously, accumulating it and saving it is has been easier, but um, I, I do my best to you know keep enough money in the bank to get through my day to day and my necessary payments. But other than that, you know, I'm not in. A, position where I need a lot of money at, at the current moment. So you're actually, you, you're saying that you're living off Bitcoin for, to some extent, like you're keeping a lot of your, if you don't mind me asking, like a larger percentage of your net worth in Bitcoin. Not, not necessarily living off Bitcoin. I still need the dollar to, you know, pay rent, buy groceries, mm -hmm. but I am definitely waning my dependence on the US dollar and the US economy. And so you mentioned, um, You've been at Arca for about a year now, or has it been over a year because of the internship? A year full time. What is your day to day life there? What do you do? Yeah, so I'm the I'm the trader at Arca. So day to day, you know, I rebalance the books, I execute trades, I I kind of help out on all fronts that I, I'm able to. I look into you know if I have to go to through EtherScan and look at who's going where. If I have to look at you know statistics or trading volume or sentiment, you know, mm -hmm. I, I just use the resources that I've picked up over the years to like tap into what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. But mostly the day to day is just trading, research meetings, investment committees, you know, just taking away the the Wild West aspect that I was so used to and, you mm -hmm. know, going through the process the right way. You're making crypto sound boring, man. What are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> the, the folks at home, they need to know it's exciting. Is, is, is crypto still exciting for you? Oh, or, it, uh... it, it's very exciting. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before, but it, it's, a, it's a bell curve. It's um, when you first get into it, everything is so shiny and so new. And you think that Bitcoin is going to take over and all the other monies or economies are just going to fall apart. But as you start to get into it, the, the, the fun, I don't want to say it goes away, but you kind of mix the fun with like the seriousness of 
of what Bitcoin is trying to accomplish. And I don't, I, I don't really say that lightly because Bitcoin itself isn't a comp, like trying to do anything. You always see the, you know, the, the parable that Bitcoin just is. Yeah, it doesn't give so, a shit. So it, its use case is dependent on the user, but it, it really is a large task that it's taking on. And if you're only having fun with Bitcoin, I think you're missing out on like the bigger picture of Bitcoin, which is not only what would happen if Bitcoin became, you know, a unified cross-border currency, because, you know, that's going to, there's going to be a lot of growing pains that go in between that. Uh, it just doesn't go from A to B. There's going to be, you know, economies are going to fall apart. There's going to be hyperinflation. For Bitcoin to really reach, you know, people are throwing out lofty numbers like a million dollars. That would, that basically signifies that the U.S. economy would be in the gutters and and everything would be weakened. You know, that, that that's a lot of capital inflow into a new asset class. So there there is a serious level of Bitcoin they have to take into account. So I still I still have a lot of fun. And I would say that most of my fun is now when I get off the book, once I'm done trading, once I'm done doing my my day to day, then I get to have fun and read their research papers and, you know, catch up with friends. And my college friends always hit me up and ask me how to set up a wallet and how and what's happening and and what is bitcoin so you know part of why i write the research papers and why i do all that is because i don't think it's fair for us to know about it and just capitalize off of other people not knowing about it it's it would be helpful to at least give them the opportunity it's like if, you, if they don't want to drink the water they don't have to drink the water but i at least want them to i don't want them to be able to say oh it was too difficult to understand mm -hmm. i want it to be simple enough to you can say yes or no i really sort of don't like like it when I see on social media when people respond to like I don't know some sort of meme post where if it's I don't know it's good that it, that they don't know about it now you know it's like no like yeah you can benefit personally and like I tell everyone I meet like go stack some sats sure but like at the end of the day like we don't want this to end up being a world that only some people benefit from Bitcoin you know we want as many people as possible to benefit you know and those growing pains that you talked about to kind of we want to ease them if we can so and it also kind of sounds. Um, like we were talking just now about how, um, well, I asked if you were still excited by it. And it's like, it's it's not that you're not excited. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's more of like, it's a different type of excitement. It's more of like an excitement that's matured a bit. It's like, oh, it's not, you know, some XYZ shitcoin that just went up 9,000% because it was a pump and dump. It's holy shit, like we're redefining a financial paradigm here. And when you think about it, like that's actually more exciting than what you used to find exciting. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The excitement should come from the potential advancements that happen as a corollary to to what would happen here. I would love to be able to, you know, travel to any country. Uh, I went to Riga a couple of years ago. I'd love to be able to go there and not have to exchange dollars for euro and go to the nearest market and get charged, you know, six euro for a loaf of bread because there's no, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't know the currency, you don't know the, you don't know the pair trade and you don't know what, what you're paying for. So it's very exciting, just the application potential of what we're doing here. And that's just Bitcoin. I, I am a Bitcoiner and I, I love Bitcoin, but I don't think, I think that it's overblown the situation about it's Bitcoin and nothing else because not everything is trying to capture the same market. Like not everything has to be money. I know that certain proponents of, of coins or tokens are saying, you know, we're money too, but I can't I can envision a world where there's, you know, 10 to 15 large digital assets and they all do different things. And mm -hmm. you don't have to think about it of like going to a restaurant and paying with Bitcoin or dollars or yen because that's never going to happen. There's going to be one money, maybe two, but most likely one. And that's the whole bimetallism thing with gold and mm -hmm. silver back in the day. But there, there is there is a base case for, you know, back end digital assets where, you know, for instance, if you have like a smart contract. And that's just the new way of, you know, docu signing or the new way of, you know, entering a paramutual agreement. And 
let's say the ether is used in the background. You don't have to physically be using everything more so than they exist. It, it's it's a way to tokenize what could not be tokenized before. And we're seeing that right now. People are tokenizing their time. Consultants are saying, buy my token and you each token grants half an hour of my time and we can do anything. We can play basketball. We can talk about something. Which Who's doing that? I don't remember the name, but it, it just it just hit the news a couple of days ago. Um, I gotta people are people are yeah. making uh, ERC 20s that can be redeemed for time. And, you know, maybe as a as a fund, maybe it's not a big value invest investment. But as a individual, I think it's a very interesting idea. Just the the broad stroke of what crypto can take care of and what it can improve upon. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really cool. I, I, I could even see that in the beginning of someone's career, you know, you're basically taking bets on their time, right? That, that's that, what Lambda School is doing, right? They, yeah. You, yeah. They, they front run your tuition, they get a portion until they're paid out. It's the yeah. same kind of concept. Yeah, exactly. Just in a more decentralized manner. About time somebody did that, honestly. It's really a good cool. idea. What was interesting about what you're talking about, though, I think is like, and like this is, I'm going to be a caricature of a Bitcoin maximalist, which I basically am anyway. Um, I just think a lot of people don't have intention with what they're doing. And I think, in my opinion, that's the problem. Like, it's not that, you know, there are some coins that are money, whether they realize it or not. And I think that's a problem. But if that's not what you're trying to be and that's not what you are, then great. Security tokens are wonderful once we figure out how to regulate them and how it's all going to work. You mean that I shouldn't just make a coin because I want to make kittens online? Um, I think that already exists. I think there's already a blockchain exclusively dedicated to putting kittens on its blockchain and it's called Ethereum. So, I oh. mean, if you, it's a free world. Go and make that blockchain if you want. What if I did it with like titties? Why are you always going to make this a vulgar? We're trying to be a clean podcast, oh. not an explicit one. There is a thing called crypto titties, actually. I was hoping you would catch that. Well, I do it's happen to own cryptoboobs.com. If anybody listening wants to buy it, I never did anything <laughs> with it. But uh, I figured somebody would want to ICO some boobs. Yeah. And, uh, crypto titties. Yeah, I did hear about that. It's a thing. Mark Zuckerberg was very upset when he, uh, when he couldn't do that. Uh, I mean, I tried. I didn't make much. I got like 0.00. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Let's go, down the, let's go down this rabbit hole for half a second because I don't fully understand what this is. Um, I'm just going to call it crypto tease because I don't feel like saying that word on a podcast Okay. that my mom might be listening to. Hi, mom. Anyway, so explain the dynamics of what this website is and how you were trying to make some money on it. Well, it's the same idea of kind of like tokenizing your time, uh -huh. but instead you tokenize your uh, nipples. I guess, your erotic areas. So you tried tokenizing your own erotic areas, found that nobody was interested and then gave up or what happened? Um, no, I'm much smarter than that. I tokenized other people's erotic areas <laughs> that were already publicly available. Okay, fair, fair. And I don't know if that's legal, but go on. Um, Everything on this podcast is hypothetical, by the way, folks. Yeah, this didn't actually happen. Savannah, you might want to cut that out. <laughs> well, we, we, we have this running joke that we always say we're going to cut stuff out and rarely do we actually do it. Um, if there's like a legal reason, we will. And we've done that before. But we tend to like say, oh, let's cut it out. And then uh, just makes yeah, it. The false to the cracks. Yeah. It's, well, it's funnier that way. Yeah, it's funnier that way. We were going to redact something earlier and just left it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go ahead and change the subject, though, because <laughs> crypto, crypto boobies. Is that better? I don't know, man. 
It's it is okay. what it is. Um, we passed that point. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> but anyways, I'm actually curious as a trader what you're trading. Are you trading spot futures derivatives? Uh, yeah. So at first, you know, you you get onboarded and you you get set, and spot is always the easiest to set up with. Uh, as time goes on, you see these new products come out. FTX is coming out with all these bull tokens, bear tokens, mm -hmm. uh, the move token. You see. You know, you're seeing CME come out with the options. You're seeing Deribit and Paradigm team up to come out with, you know, advanced options mm -hmm. um, that are available. So we we run with the idea that we trade anything that is liquid and anything that is, you know, within our within our investment committee, within our guidelines of what we choose to invest in. So we're not we're not constrained to just spot or just one thing we're, we're openly looking at the asset class and trying to see which one of these products that are new are going to come out and be successful and it, it's i mean it's pretty fantastic because it's coming it's blossoming very quickly where at first it was the icos that were blossoming and the products that are blossoming and now it's the the trading vehicles that are actually blossoming like token sets you know it's, yeah it's it's just making a new token that is just a weighted balance of other tokens and it's just getting more and more complex which i think is very interesting and i also you know part of me is kind of worried because these these are the same people in this market that enjoy trading with 100x leverage and now you're giving them products that i'm not entirely sure they fully understand mm -hmm. so i think education is going to be a big part of it but it's very interesting just what can be done with you know program it's essentially programmable assets mm -hmm. are any of these products like are there any that you're like particularly excited about? Um, not as like a singularity, but I'm just excited to see what happens in the space. I, I think some of the coolest, both some of the coolest assets that are going to exist and some of the coolest products, I think either haven't come out yet or haven't fully developed. I think that as much as we want to say that we're still early, we're still late, like, am I going to make it? It's, we are early. We're very early. I, like you said earlier, like even a year in crypto time feels like forever, but it's a year. This asset class predicates itself on lasting hundreds of years. So if this asset class succeeds, which most of us that are in it kind of believe it will, then we're we're barely off the blocks here. And we have a lot of time to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what can be improved upon. So I think the, the coolest things and things I'm most excited about haven't existed yet. And now a word from our sponsors. Do you suffer from extremely weak hands? Have you already wasted far too much of your hard-earned money on all those other hand-strengthening devices? Try the new and improved SatStacker for only 21 minutes a day, and you're guaranteed to have stronger hands by the next halving. Featuring all-new titanium alloy springs and ergonomically designed finger pads, the new and improved SatStacker is the long-term hodler's best friend. Order the new and improved SatStacker today. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. So speaking of 200 year visions, what's your uh, five to 10 year price prediction on? I'm not sure I can do a price prediction yet. I, I tend to not do those. What about crypto market cap prediction? Can you do that? Ooh, when will the gold flipping happen? <laughs> Just give them as like the hardest questions we can come up with. I don't know. We've never done that before. I don't, I don't like to prognosticate because that implies responsibility. Okay. Because in, in you know, th like Thanksgiving of 2017, you go, you go to dinner and 
you know, your family members know that you're in crypto and your high school friends or college friends know you're in crypto. And they're like, oh, like what's happening? Especially 2017 with, you know, certain projects <laughs> that were just rocketing for no reason. They're like, what's happening? Um, what should I do? And, you know, it's very easy to just say, oh, like this place is awesome. Like I've been in it for two years now and it's only gone up. Like you should get in. And then they get in and, and Thanksgiving goes up for another three weeks. And then we, we're into a 18 month bear market. You, see, man, you're doing it wrong. Like, because I heard you say these words earlier, and the words are, I think, maybe you changed it slightly, but it was, you know, only invest what you're willing to lose. So you can say whatever you want to your family and friends. You just have to follow it up with, but you may lose it all. So you know. Yeah, but th that. I'm totally joking. Yeah, yeah. Like, no. It, the it, way you're doing it is a healthy way, and too many people are just making calls and telling people to buy shit. And it's the like, only invest what you're willing to lose is definitely a great motto. But I think I think more important is when we say that to people, and when people hear that. Like if I, if I brought to you a new like penny stock and I said, only invest what you're willing to lose, you're instantly, your instant diagnostic of that penny stock is that it's super volatile, super dangerous. Yeah. And this is a quick, quick ride. So instead of telling them only invest what you're willing to lose, I, I usually tell them instead of putting money in, don't put a dime in, just learn about it. Mm. What is Bitcoin? Why is Bitcoin here? You know, the five W's of Bitcoin for me is the most important part. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to make a single penny off of it, but you, you should and I believe everyone should, if they have free time, just learn about what Bitcoin is and why it's here. Yeah, I forget if it was safe or if it was Anton Antonopoulos, but I think it was safe, Dean. He was like, do not buy Bitcoin. <clears throat> like in his books, like do not buy it. Go out and learn about it first. And that's, that's 100%. Yeah, right. because if you learn about it and you like it, you're going to buy it whether or not someone tells you to. Yeah. But if you buy it without learning about it and it goes the other way, you shift the blame onto the person that told you to buy mm -hmm. it. Well, it really just comes down to if you have a reason, right? And that reason is you believe in it and you believe in the technology, then the prices are relevant, mm -hmm. right? Like if you can't answer the five W's, then what does it matter if it's a dollar or if it's a million dollars, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's solving problems that have yet to be solved. Yeah, especially in the United States, a lot of people are like, oh, we don't need Bitcoin. Like there's no use case. We're creating use cases for that don't have problems to begin with. Mm -hmm. But Essentially, Bitcoin's best case study right now isn't the United States. It's all the it's all the countries around us. It's Venezuela. It's you know Lebanon. It's yeah. it's these countries that cannot rely on their government backed currency. Mm -hmm. And because of this, people are so quick to write it off because they say, "Oh, what can Bitcoin do that my ten dollar bill in my wallet can't do?" Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's also because a lot of people are when they first hear about Bitcoin or they're like, they're not into Bitcoin, but they're kind of just hearing about it in the news. Like they, they focus on the whole, like the payment side of things. And like Bitcoin doesn't, wasn't meant to fix payments. Like, I don't mean to speak for Satoshi, but like, uh, I'm going to, I'm actually going to put it in the show notes. There's a, a thread from Dan Held that like goes through all this and it's just like, it really breaks down and like shows how like the whole payments argument from like the Bcash side of things is just complete bullshit. You know, like it, 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 Bitcoin fixes money, like the monetary system. Um, so I don't know, it's hard with Americans. Cause like, I'll talk to my dad for instance, and he thinks the economy is fine or, you know, the dollar is working fine. And, and I'm just like, well, okay, why is our purchasing power going down? You know, like it, it's a much slower, more drawn out process. But at the end of the day, like, I think Bitcoin does fix things here at home. It's just, it's, it does so on a much like slower time frame for people. Yeah. And I mean, speaking to the white paper. Uh, I've read it probably five to 10 times. And every time I read it, I, I run through the drill of, you know, the whole the whole Roger Ver thing about the Bitcoin isn't 
cash. Mm. And I, I ran through I ran through the white paper and just did like a you know a control F, just a lookup of money versus currency versus mm. interesting, yeah. You know, cash. And um Satoshi, he heard them use use those words interchangeably. So I, I think the whole digital cash system is a misnomer that he meant kishi. They meant cash as a hand to hand, you know, I'm paying you instantly type like, of scenario. It's the difference between like a debt system and a push system, you know? When I think if you think back to the creation, 2009, like microtransactions weren't even a thing yet. I think at that time there was still a lot of, like most transactions you were doing were still larger in nature, right? Like I think if you really went back at that point in time, you were still using like dollar bills in most vending machines. Like you couldn't even swipe your credit card for yeah, things like yeah. that. But even like look at foreign, like countries outside the United States or like countries where you think that like payments were broken, like like in Africa, in Asia, like they're using QR, they've been using QR yeah. codes for payments for a long time. Like payments mm -hmm. aren't broken anywhere except in like, I don't know, certain really far flung places that just yeah. don't have any technology. Well, I don't think it, again, it's never been about payments being broken. It's more about, I mean, talk to some, some people though. All right. I, but uh, fuck them. They're not here right now. So they have no voice, but the whole, <laughs> the whole idea is like, what is broken in our current monetary system? Well, the, the public ledger mm -hmm. show it to me because it doesn't exist mm -hmm. and immutability, but two things that are just flat out don't exist and Bitcoin fixes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then you can go and argue whether or not we should fix transactions and payments that again. Well, I mean, that's just like, at least in my opinion, it's a secondary thing. Like they will improve over time. Right. But that's not the, that's not the reason why. It's just a, a happy accident, an extra benefit to us. I, I completely agree. And it's all case by case basis. Like you brought up immutability. And I think it's very interesting currently because there was, there was an orphan block a couple of days ago on Bitcoin. It was only for a couple of blocks and mm -hmm. there's no real impact. And the public outcry about, oh, Bitcoin isn't immutable anymore and this and that. But immutability is, is a sliding scale where there nothing. Immutability is either a one or a zero. It's either immutable or it's not. Mm -hmm. And in this world, there's only very few things that are immutable. And, you know, it's life, death and taxes. And that's about it. Everything else is, you know. Well, that's the thing. Bitcoin wasn't if, if it was never in the white paper to be immutable. That that was a that was a social contract that we decided mm -hmm. upon ourselves. We also mm -hmm. talk like about like I, I like this word a lot is like finality. Like finality in Bitcoin is important, but like it can never be one hundred percent. And if it was, yeah. then it wouldn't be Bitcoin. Yeah. Like yeah, right. so some people wait one transaction, one confirmation. Mm -hmm. Some people wait six. I think the publicly accepted form is six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always laugh when people are like, oh, "You have to wait six confirmations." Someone's like, "Do you know how long it takes for like their?" The possibility of a chargeback on a credit card not to like exist anymore like two three months like <laughs> get your head out of your ass well so speaking on immutability because i I'd, I'd like to discuss this further it's when you speak um and talk about bitcoin as being mutable basically in that sense we're saying that the blockchain and the participants ultimately have the ability to change the record or agree with a different record which is when we talk about, I'm not going to mention any projects, but one of the larger things in crypto right now is this idea of governance, right? And part of Bitcoin's, um, we'll call it primary ethos. Yeah, ethos, but more so like 
I think one of the reasons that we like it and that you can kind of subscribe and get behind is that it's very hard to it's very do. conservative. Yeah. yeah, it's very conservative in nature, which leads and lends it to be immutable, but it is not. So thank you for making that distinction very clear because yes, things could be changed. Like you can have a hard fork and you could agree which fork you want to go on or um, effectively something could happen. Like I I'm very much believe and think that one day quantum will crack the blockchain like it, it's it will happen and at that point we will need to hard fork the the chain will have to say you know oh at this point in time the actual security of the chain was compromised and therefore we're going to branch off and do something different now and i think people like i i had a very wealthy investor say to me he's invested in coinbase but he's not invested in bitcoin because quantum quantum computing is going to kill the blockchain and as soon as you understand well no that's what hard forks were designed for mm -hmm. that's literally the point right it's so yes immutability but at the same time mutability in the case of you know i'd almost call it disaster recovery right it's like something so significant happens that we did we realize oh something's wrong here and the entire chain agrees to go in a different direction and i i can't remember who wrote it so i'm doing them a disservice but there was a interesting report about how bitcoin is a feedback loop of a social contract and code where yeah. the code enforces the social contract and the social contract therefore enforces the code mm, i like that and it was a super cool I, i'll have to find it i'll send it to you guys but it was very well done and that's basically the point that you're making where the code is code it, it, it's yeah. it's law as long as it's the same code Yep. But the social contract can dictate if if the consensus of people say, you know what, it's time to go down this path. Right. Then, you know, the social contract influences the new code and then mm -hmm. the code is reinforcing that social contract. Totally. And and I think, again, that's a beautiful thing, right? Because even today, I, I don't know. Russell, if we... Bitcoin's not doing what I want it to do. Well, then, okay? then BSV will. That's... Ah, you're right. There. <laughs> <laughs> even today, right, in the American economy, did you get to help the Fed decide on the last rate change? No, you had absolutely no say. Some old white dudes decided to do something. Russell, one day you're going to be an old white dude, so don't hate on them just yet. Right, and I'm going to be a part of a social construct that includes everyone that publicly decides what to do. Yeah. And I, I think that that alone is a beautiful use case, right? It just goes to show like, what do you want to be a part of a system where the wealthy decide what happens or do you want to be a part of the system where everybody decides? Which just to preface that, or actually asterisk that, which with um, technically you could argue that the wealthy will still decide in Bitcoin because the most powerful miners will choose the yeah. direction. It's it's not a redistribution of wealth. That's a, that's another misnomer that goes around that oh we're gonna take all the money from the rich and yeah like equally give it to the poor. No, not that's not that's not what's happening here. It, it's an upgrade in the fundamentals of what money is, mm -hmm. and that's why I think education is so important. Yeah, because if you do believe in the re redistribution of wealth, you have to give these people the opportunity to do so yeah. you, you can't call it a redistribution of wealth if they find out about it in 10 years yep <laughs> and everyone everyone got a everyone got a you know 10 year head start 20 year head start that's not fair yep and it's not supposed to be fair that's not what this model model is uh, predicated on but that doesn't mean that i can't decide that i want it to be fair totally. as an ind ind 
like an individual. Well, I'll push back slightly. I basically agree with everything you just said, but I think if Bitcoin is, is as successful as we think it will be, and even crypto at large, like the system itself will be fairer. So it, it while you know, there will yeah. be a evening out of wealth and I don't think there should be, I think, you know, people can work for whatever they're going to end up with, but you know, people will be able to save. What are you laughing at me for? They'll be able to save their wealth. Finally. No, you know? I was just going to say, you mean you're not a Democrat? No, I'm not. I'm a libertarian, basically. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Bitcoin libertarian. I don't know what you call it. Bitcoin essentially offers equal opportunity. Yeah. And, I, and you need to get someone to the point where they have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So if nobody, if they haven't heard of Bitcoin as if like they, I've met people in Oklahoma, I've met people in Riga, they've never heard the word Bitcoin. They don't know what Bitcoin is. Yeah. There's people in LA that have never heard the word Bitcoin. Not many anymore, but Honestly. there's still people. No, there are. So, you know, well, I've had Uber rides, I've had, you know, I've met people, friends of friends, and I always tell them, if you want to learn more, give me your number, give me your email, I'll send you something to read. Mm -hmm. And that's it. You don't tell them to buy. You never yeah. tell them to buy. And so I want to talk more about this 200 year vision because I, I think that comes up a lot for us. And when we talk about the redistribution of wealth, I disagree that that's not the purpose. I, I agree that it's not the purpose today, but it is the purpose in the future. And here's why I believe that. Right now, the monetary system as it exists is built in a way where wealth is hoarded and then grown because the system at large is able to create more based on credit, right? So if you exist in a world where you have a stable currency, and again, this is all theoretical, right? We have no idea if this is what will happen, but I would like to believe that in a world where everything is stapled, where basically property value as it exists gets set to a stable currency or a Austrian economic system where property no longer increases in value, but has a set value. The property is worth, like we say. Well, no, it wouldn't go up or down in value based purely relative. on supply and demand, not based off of like one currency versus another. Right. Yeah. It's like saying uh, one Bitcoin's worth one Bitcoin. It's like one property is worth one property. It's the same idea, like square footage is always worth the same amount of square footage as long as the demand is there. But then you get into the issue of all of a sudden it's a super, super rainy year and a lot of people are starting to have leaks in their house. Right. Now, all of a sudden, even though your house is based on one currency, the supply-demand curve changes. As noted, yeah, that one house is still worth one house, but houses are worth more relative to cars for that period of time. Totally. So that, that's it. The redistribution of wealth is a is a, it's a nifty idea, and I really like it. I think that is it, it won't happen completely just because human tendency, where mm -hmm. everyone has different lifestyles. Some people are more frugal. Some people True. like to spend as much as they take in, they put out. Yeah. So, and that's totally fine. Not, there is no one written path. Obviously, right. most of us in this space are quite frugal, except for the buying of Bitcoin. But other than that, we're pretty <laughs> frugal. And that's okay for us. And we all understand each other that way. And that doesn't mean that everyone should be that way. And we see that with politics. We see that with music choice. We see that totally. with car choice. Like people get upset when someone else doesn't, agree with their opinion or their thought process and we get lost in the fact that not everyone lives the same way and money isn't the same to all people like some people like to have money because it makes them feel secure it makes them feel cool some people like to use their money to buy things because they feel that money is a means to an end and that end is to enjoy yourself and mm -hmm. spend time with family spend time with friends or yourself and you know that's always going to be the case human psychology won't change because the monetary system changes and that's the only reason why i think the distribution won't will never be even it's but just it being made be. 
it's being made more fair. That's more fair. Fair fair is a better word than even. You yeah. don't need to redistribute fair opportunity versus fair distribution. Well, it's like uh, there's a statistic that like the world's $73 trillion in debt or whatever that number is, you know. And when you think about that, like who the fuck do we owe money to? The Anunnaki? Do we owe our alien overlords $73 trillion? No, we have a credit-based system where we're just printing fake money and we owe fake money to some ledger that doesn't even exist. So the idea is like, okay, let's, let's move away from this system where we're literally just making things up and move to a system where there's a whole sheet, right? We're not accounting for something that doesn't exist, but we actually say it exists, here it is. And from there, we can begin to build a more fair economic model. I think that's where the distribution of wealth happens. And I don't want to pit the banks and the current system completely against Bitcoin because what second entry accounting did was pretty impressive at the time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I think like uh, the credit-based system as it exists got us to where we are, right? It's, it's all about stepping stones. It's like at the time, it was the right thing to do, right? And now this is the right thing time to do. Time to move on. Yeah. These and things are tools, you know? It's like, it's how you use them. And exactly. Things were misused. Or maybe they were used the right way. You know, that that's the whole the whole idea is like what's right and what's wrong. At the end of the day, it got us to where we are. And now we're evolving and realizing this doesn't work. And I would argue that 150 years from now, maybe we say, you know what? Bitcoin doesn't work anymore. Now here's Tritcoin and this one. You know, I don't even know. The point is like at this point in time, this model makes more sense and hypothetically. And so we're we're trying to evolve it and build it. But that doesn't mean that it'll still make sense 100 years from now. All right, so we've, we've uh, gone over the reallocation of wealth. There's something I want to talk about because I know we said we're not supposed to tell people what to do with their money and all this stuff, but frankly, I think <laughs> there is a major problem with Christmas lights. People are spending way too much money on the energy for Christmas lights, and they're not putting that money and energy towards Bitcoin, and I think that's wrong, and I should be able to tell them what to do with their energy. Alex Fleischman... Let's talk about the reallocation of energy and uh, some of the energy FUD out there. Folks, that was all jokes. Do whatever you want with your Christmas lights. Um, <laughs> or Hanukkah lights. Or Hanukkah lights, as is the or, case. Or Kwanzaa or I think Chinese they, New Year. Kwanzaa uses candles also. Oh, okay. um, I don't know what Chinese New Year. They use fireworks. We uh, have lights up in our apartment all year. so I'm Christmas just, lights? I mean, technically, they're, they're just white. They're not colorful because oh. I'm not tripping on acid all the time oh, you know okay all right do you want to earn interest on your bitcoin tantra labs has the highest performing return on debt in bitcoin to find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market feel free to reach out to us via twitter medium or the contact link available in the show notes now back to the show <laughs> so energy <laughs> um i think it's another case of just all the facts of the naysayers saying Bitcoin uses too much energy, Bitcoin is, you know, bad for the environment, this and that. They're using the right numbers and they're framing it the very, a very, very poor way. And you see that all the time. Um, you know, I can only use my personal anecdotes where, you know, in chemistry, you see a lot of, you know, research reports come out and they run the same test 100 times and they pick the three that made sense. <laughs> you know, that's their report. So Bitcoin does use a lot of energy. That is a fact. There's no disputing it. There, you can see the energy being used. You can see, you know, the hash rate. You can see the, you know, the thermodynamics of it all. But it becomes a question of what is the energy doing? Is it, you know, and this is what I wrote out in the report. Is it being conserved 
Can and you transformed. tell everyone what that report was? Or yeah, we'll, so, we'll include it in the notes so everyone okay. can find it. But yeah. so I wrote a report in the tail end of 2018, all the way through 2019. Um, this was actually my a project I worked on with my advisor in in college. He was uh, the head of the faculty for chemistry, so I, I leaned on him a bit for the thermodynamics of it all. But I wrote the report to be kind of evergreen as an all-encompassing. The first bit was about the background of Bitcoin, uh, both traditional markets with uh, the financial crisis in 2007, 2008, and the genesis of Bitcoin and the predecessors and how it came to be. And I go a little bit into mining and how it works on a very basic level. And then the second half of the report, I pivot completely to energy consumption and from the mining and from the numbers we have that are readily available, how do they compare in a metadata study to traditional financial networks? And, you know, I used gold, I used uh, less conventional things like oil, and I even used aluminum, which nobody uses as money, but it's in everything we touch. These mics have aluminum in them. Our computers have aluminum in them. A lot of technology has it in the background. So I, I use that as another corollary. And what you find is that on a percentage basis of the entire grid, Bitcoin uses the same percentage of the world's electricity as gold uses in terms of uh, crude oil. Mm. So the barrels of crude oil as a, as a percentage of the worldwide use of crude oil mm -hmm. is at the same rate as Bitcoin's electricity use as a percentage of the worldwide use of electricity. That's incredible. So we can make the argument, you know, there's two ways to look at it. One is Bitcoin, if Bitcoin was a country, it's the 50, must be 53rd now, mm -hmm. most most uh, energy consuming country in the world. And people look at that and say, what's the point of using it when only it's a, it's a niche product and nobody uses it. But there are there are benefits to what what the energy is being put to use for. It's not energy waste, it's conservation. Mm -hmm. And it's a conversion of energy into security. So the more, for a very basic broad level, the more energy that goes into the network to secure the network means that it takes more energy to maliciously attack the network. Mm -hmm. So realistically, you can run Bitcoin on your computer and then I'll set up a node on my computer and we can run the entire network. But that just means that, you know, three people down the street can take over our network at any time if they so chose. So the point is, is that it takes it takes a country's level of electricity to break what would be a sound money system. Mm -hmm. And the, the cost benefit of that is that the majority of our wars are started because of economic failures. If you look at World War II, <laughs> World War One, these are all reactions to you know poverty and lack of food and lack of living conditions and you just have to hypothesize what would a unified sound money do would it eliminate these these poverty-based wars and if so how much electricity are you willing to use to save you know potentially save lives or save yeah. money well, you don't want to know how much money we put into iraq right. you know it's absurd well and to speak on that too and i'm i don't know the exact statistic but you said bitcoin as an energy consumption is about the top 50 we'll say yeah. around top 60 and then by market cap i'm pretty sure bitcoin's in like the top 30 as far as uh, market cap of countries i i saw that statistic recently we'll look it up so that means that we are efficient then so if we're top 60 by energy use and we're top 30 by, you know, GDP or the market cap, it sounds like we're on the right path. Yeah. And I mean, and the energy that that's being used, I know people like to say 
that it's not true and that we have to prove it to them. This is the closest thing to fact that I can say without showing you where the energy is actually coming from. But most of the energy, I think it was 76% is renewable energy. Mm. And we, we find that hard to believe because, you know, in the United States, we don't tend to use quite so much uh, renewable energy. But most of these mining operations are in China and specifically in one province in China that has a lot of wind powered energy, which brings me to my next point that a lot of the energy Bitcoin uses is energy that would otherwise be wasted. You cannot you cannot store. We don't have the capacity to store that kind of energy for a long period of time. So any energy that's created under what's called peak capacity, which is like the highest demand that they can envision for the time. So you never run out of energy. Anything that's excess, it just gets you know redistributed in the grid and most of it dissipates. I really love this way of thinking about Bitcoin as a almost as a battery, as like a form of energy storage. And I yeah. I can't remember if I read it in the context of Bitcoin or not, but I'd read this about aluminum as well because like the like smelting aluminum is like incredibly energy intensive, and like you can almost think of it as a way of of storing your energy. Um, so I don't know. Well, you know what's interesting, and, and I know we had just talked earlier about how Bitcoin's not money, but it is, right? When, it, we, we didn't talk about that. When did we well, talk about that? just more so that it's not like a transactional cash, ah, right? Okay. It's, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make the um, the analogy because my dad's always talked to me this way, where like money is energy, right? Like you're like if you're going to work every day, you spend eight hours, they give you a paycheck. They basically said, your time is worth this much. So your energy is worth this. And then you take this cash now and you go trade it for something else. You're effectively saying, my energy is worth this much. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody else has put a price on mm -hmm. what your time and energy are effectively worth. So 100%. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Everything boils down to what the base costs is and for yeah. for us working our base cost is sweat equity like you said it's time it's effort mm -hmm. it's lack of freedom at the time right and for bitcoin the base cost is electricity yep there's there's very little in terms of components that go into mining bitcoin it's you know in terms of capex and opex mm -hmm. the main components are electricity and hardware and mm -hmm. operations and everything else is just tangent so to say that electricity is being wasted is just a very interesting idea. One, one, the gaming industry by itself is like 60% of Bitcoin's network. <laughs> so, so, you know, one's trying to be money and I love gaming, but yeah. one's trying to be money and one is just a pastime. So, like, yeah. you know, there's it's a very hubristic way of thinking, like to say, oh, this is wasting, but this isn't, you know, yeah. it's just is. It's, well, it's is just it a, maybe efficiency is a better way to look at it. Yeah, or, there's no moral police to dictate how I choose to use my energy. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a free market. If I, if I buy a certain amount of energy and I want to put it towards mining Bitcoin, or I want to put it towards baking the world's biggest cookie. Nobody can tell me otherwise. <laughs> yeah. They can just not sell me the energy in the future, but that's their choice. And yep. that's an economic decision. Yeah. So this whole social good thing is very interesting. And I love it as an environmental chemist. I love it. But there's a point where you draw the line where, where there is no, you cannot police how people do what is considered by some an inalienable, right? You know, the pursuit, mm -hmm. the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of property and everything within that becomes this is part of what I'm allowed to do unless if you strictly as a social contract say I'm not. And since mm -hmm. no one said that, you cannot tell me what I can do with my electricity. So as much as I hate the fact, as much as I hate that the TV show with the Kardashians on it, and as much <laughs> energy as I think the Kardashians waste, you're telling me that I need to keep my mouth shut. It's not, it's not, a, it's not about me. If you don't like it, you don't watch it. And if the whole Fair. market doesn't like it, nobody watches it and the show goes away. 
unfortunately. But I think they're doing a great job, by the way. I think the market has spoken, and I'm I'm wrong. They so. they've done well with their money. They've turned. It's no easy task turning money into more money. People like to say that it's it's you know it's just you're just handed the the new money, but it's. I mean, they put in a lot of work. The cosmetic line, and all that. I don't put on makeup. Are we? <laughs> My lord is gonna be reading. Listening to this and oh, cutting out this whole section right here. We have, we, can we, say have, we, have we have a great um, intro at the beginning of the podcast, like a disclaimer. Uh, disclaimer, I took that disclaimer from Pomp's podcast. So, and you know, he's got a great disclaimer. So I, I modified <laughs> it a little bit. Hey, Pomp, how you doing, buddy? Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I think we need to cut that out. This is getting cut too. No, we don't. It's just a disclaimer. It's legalese. I'm just kidding. This entire podcast actually was is built on my previous addiction to crypto podcasts. So there's a lot that previous uh, addiction. So you're no, no, I don't have time addiction. anymore. I don't. You guys keep me busy. I used to I used to listen to a lot more podcasts than oh, I do now. You're welcome. Yeah. Giving you some purpose. Uh, no man, my 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 tweet game used to be such fire because I'd listen to these podcasts and I'd hear an idea and it would give me an idea and all that stuff. And now you just see me grunting and groaning in the other room on the computer. Yeah, and I'll day. just tweet like. Eh. <laughs> and I get no engagement. And I wonder why, you know? It's just... So, do you want to play Bitcoin or shitcoin? Bitcoin or shitcoin. All right, Russ, why don't you throw out the uh, the items this time? Okay, stickers. Oh, those are shitcoins. Stickers are shitcoins for sure. Apple computers. Oh, Bitcoin for sure. iPhones. Ooh, that's a tough one because they like, I don't know. They, they, you know, they stop working after like a year and you got to get the new one. But that's also like ASICs. So I mean, they got that's sued. Pretty Bitcoin. They got sued for it though. Well, you can't sue Bitcoin. So shitcoin maybe. Uh, I would say iPhones are shitcoins, honestly, mm. just because you need a new one. Fair. You only need one Bitcoin. Well, so the, the okay, because you said. One Bitcoin network. You could have multiple Bitcoins. So is hardware Bitcoin or shitcoin? It's tough. It's tough. Open source hardware, very Bitcoin. Closed source hardware, very shitcoin. But you said Apple laptops were Bitcoin. That's because I like, yeah, I don't know. They're probably. <laughs> you're right. You're right here. I caught him. Yeah. All right. We're done here. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. Alex, thank you so much for, for joining us on the pod. Thank you. Russell, for thank you for your energy this time around. Uh, Alex, where can folks follow you? Uh, where can they learn more about ARCA if they are accredited, accredited investors and all that fun stuff? Well, the, the main thing I use is Twitter nowadays. Uh, so ARCA chemist, A-R-C-A and chemist, um, LinkedIn, not so fun anymore. That's, that's a professional thing, but I don't tend to use it as much. So probably Twitter or just reach out to me directly. I mean, I'm not I'm an open book <laughs> for things I'm allowed to be open about. An cool. open ledger like Bitcoin. And uh, Arca, they have a presence on Twitter as well, right? Yeah. So just A-R-C-A at Arca. Oh, how'd you guys get that? That's great. That's a good Luck one. Luck of the draw. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't, my, wasn't my doing, but it was very nice. Cool. Very cool. All right, Alex. Thank you thank again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. See you soon. enjoyed the show please subscribe consider leaving us a positive review and sharing us with your friends and if you'd like to earn interest on your bitcoin tantra labs has the highest performing return on debt in bitcoin to find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market feel free to reach out to us via twitter medium or the contact link available in the show notes thanks for listening